they're not just coming for bear honey. They're coming for any honey, period. That was more miserable than pissed off. Saturdays for uh, for the boys. My ear man is just hot. I like Cole. Get your gun. We're in the middle of a bear attack. <laughs> um, it does not, in fact, put the fish in the boat for you, though. I found out. Big buck. Big buck, Cole. Big buck. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Jumping the String podcast. Thanks for listening in. As usual, I've got Cole with me. It's the day before opening rifle season. It's a state holiday. Not really, but basically a state holiday here in Montana. It's the biggest day of the year. Everyone's pumped. Everyone's stoked. It's going to be a madhouse, but we're really looking forward to it. How about it, Cole? That's awesome. I can't wait to hear hear about it. And uh, as we are talking, this is the one-year anniversary of me coming home from Montana. And let me guess, there was... It wasn't a heat index of 80 degrees like it was last year at this time. No, it's been uh, pretty cool. Um, we did have one cold night, but not as cold as when you were here last year. Uh, but also not as hot. So <laughs> it's been a, it's been an okay October so far. Got a little warm a couple days there, but it's been staying pretty cool for the most part. Well, well, that's good. I hope. Well, I hope you don't get six inches of snow like you did last year. Didn't you get? Wasn't there six inches of snow last year on opening day or something like that for you guys? Uh, last year it did not snow on opening day. The two years prior, it did. And I want to say three years ago now is when we got caught in a bad blizzard, and that was just pure freaking. Misery. I was oh, hunting I with my buddy. Uh, well, we were hunting with a, uh, a big group, but I was paired up with our buddy Jared. And um, we had basically uh, walked two or three miles in. And then the way out was in, you know, against like 25 and 30 <laughs> mile an hour gust. Um, but that smart son of a bitch brought ski goggles because he saw the forecast the night before or the day before <laughs> and brought ski goggles and we were all laughing at him. And then like, it got so bad. Like at one point I had to grab onto his backpack so and he could by, like and walk behind yeah, him, guide me through. Cause I couldn't see anything. Even with like my sunglasses on, it was still like whipping up snow and ice under between the gap. And like, oh. it would hit you in the eyeball and just, yeah, it looked like I had got, I'd been on the beach all day. My face was just <laughs> windburned so bad. It was tore up. Oh, it's miserable. That sounds like a miserable opening day. Yeah, and uh, we saw like 10 mule deer bucks that day. Um, Jared actually took a shot and had missed. And then that was the last time we saw mule deer bucks there. So that's why we're not <laughs> hunting there this year. <laughs> Oh, that's great. So you're all so you're all dialed in, all all sighted in, ready to go. You got do you, you got your mule deer and elk tag, I'm guessing? Yeah, I got my um my general uh general deer, which where we're hunting tomorrow is whitetail only. Um you gotta get a special uh mule deer permit to hunt there. 
once in a lifetime tag. Um, so whitetail buck, um, elk, bear might be on the menu. We'll see. It's kind of a, it's kind of a ways back, um, to be packing anything else out of there other than, um, the, the deer or an elk. Yeah. There's just easier spots to get a bear. And I still have a bear hide in my garage. I have to take care of. So if I bring home a second bear before the <laughs> first one's been processed or finished drying and, and tanned, then, um, that'll be my last day on earth. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, white tail bucks tomorrow, um, bull elk, and also have a cow tag for there. Uh, again, not going to shoot one back there because it'd be a, it's going to be a hard pack out. So we're going to skip on any cows. There's some easier places to shoot cows down there. Um, that's where I shot my cow two years ago. Um, after basically weeks of miserable hunting, um, end up shooting, shooting mine on the last day on my way home. After I quit and was pissed off and then looked up and there's an elk herd, you know, 300 yards from the road. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That makes for an easy pack out. Yeah. Well, it was supposed to be easy because then another guy that had shot a different herd, but kind of in the same area, just on the backside of the hill. um, I helped him with uh, his elk because he helped me with mine. And he had a game cart, so he pushed it up this big-ass hill, and then uh, he was kind of side-hilling with it, and it was kind of like a homemade job, and uh, (laughs) it was just like on a mountain bike wheel, two of them, and it freaking folded in half. Oh, my (laughs) God. Oh, no. (laughs) So, we had to um, end up, you know, basically... um, and we didn't have our packs or anything because we left them in the truck. So we just threw quarters on the shoulder till we could get back to the trucks and then um, brought it back to him. Yeah, just a nice guy, nice random guy I met on the mountain that helped me with my elk. So I helped him out with his and um, gave him a ride back to his truck because he had hiked. God, he had to have hiked like five miles, five or six oh. miles. It was one of those. Uh, he went in so deep, he popped back out back into the front country so i started <laughs> started in the back country or started in the front country crossed the back country back to the front country uh so that was kind of cool on on the way back to his truck uh a little three by three whitetail buck was chasing a doe and he got to shoot that one so he was pumped he's like this is the best freaking day of hunting i've had in 20 years <laughs> yeah you don't you don't get to do a uh a double too often. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, an interesting interesting season. Um, there down there, it's really popular hunting area. Um, uh, it's been uh, it's gotten crazy some years. Um, this is before I moved out to Montana, but there's been a lot of crazy situations down there of like you know, bullets hitting vehicles, you know, 
bullets flying past a herd of elk into another group of hunters. And then those group of hunters is firing at the same elk. And they're just like, you know, it's crossfire. And people trespass all the time down there because they just can't resist. So no. uh, there's constantly wardens and patrollers going up and down that road there. Uh, and they've, I think they've got a good good setup now. You have a, a mix of public land and private, and then you also have private that is BMA, which is private land that the owners let you hunt on. Um, and it used to just be a free-for-all, but now you, it's only like, you know, so many vehicles per parking area. Um, uh-huh. It doesn't matter if it's the world record elk standing there a hundred yards away and you're driving by, if there's three vehicles in the parking lot and you can't park there, you can't shoot it. So, um, whereas previously it was just, you know, if you could catch it right, you could have a herd of 200 elk coming and then you could just, you know, pull the bus over, unload all the (laughs) kids and just start blasting and so many issues with that. So I think they finally got it dialed in now though doesn't sound like there's nearly as many issues as there used to be but um that's also where kind of near there um i had to call a game warden because there was a a uh, uh guide or a guide group that um must have been guiding a hunter unless it was just themselves hunting but Big herd of elk, um, about 600 yards away from me. Um, I was just using a 308, which is kind of beyond my max. Uh, and I only had a cow tag. So, uh, I had lined up a couple times. I'm like, uh, so I went back and forth and, uh, my wife's actually the one that spotted the elk. We kind of parked and then I'm like, well, I guess we'll wait here till, you know, last light, see if anything comes by we can see for miles from here and she's like well there's some elk right there i'm like (laughs) holy shit you're right and then across the canyon sure as shit there's like 60 elk but what we couldn't see was like the other hundred elk you know um, sporadically placed on the hillside in some thicker cover and so i'm kind of sitting there and eventually i'm like well i'll pack up I'll kind of hike down to this creek bottom. I don't know if I'm going to have a shot or not, but that'll get me about two or 300 yards closer. And I'll feel a lot better about this shot. And then as soon as I got up to start moving, I heard shots. And then that's when all these elk moving. And it was like, it's like when you kick an anthill and then there's just hundreds. It was insane. (laughs) Just like everywhere these elk started flying out of all these thick willows and, um, and all this thick cover. And it was freaking insane. Like top to bottom of the mountain uh, was full of elk and they're running down to try to make it to the private. And it's just shot after shot after shot. And I think I counted 12 or 14 shots. Jesus. Um, uh, and it could kind of tell what, bull he was shooting at because i could see like the ground kicking up 
and it looked like uh-huh. he was shooting low every single time, um, which is fine, I guess. Um, your people really need to work on their shooting. It, I mean, it's it's not that difficult, but um, people really need to work on shooting. Uh, <laughs> you can't yeah. just go out and. The old joke is, yeah, shoot my rifle ten times, three times to get on paper, uh, once in the ass, once in the guts, in the spine, and then two in the head. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but just shot after shot, and like after five or six, the herd kind of had come together, and this guy's still just, now he's just herd blasting. It's like, dude. So, he fired another six or seven just into this trying to shoot this damn bull and now there's like 15 cows around them and dude it was freaking just insane pretty sure there was some dead elk laying on that guy's ranch the next day but yeah just is what it is some people just can't can't help themselves and i just don't get it to to pay that much money to hunt even just to take you know part of your life away and to not be able to to make a couple hundred yard shot guys i'm telling you you gotta work on your shooting you can't just pull out papa's freaking 270 and <laughs> shoot it at 50 yards you know hit the eight inch bullseye somewhere and be like yep she's still good yeah I'm telling you guys it- you need to be under one moa at 100 yards and if you can't do that that's fine just gotta shoot more because one MOA at a hundred is is two at two hundred, could be three at three hundred. Um, yep. Yeah, and I don't really buy into the whole don't shoot long range thing. A lot of people get caught up like they see someone make a six, seven, eight hundred yard shot, and they're like, "That's unethical" or whatever. And it's like, no, they're just well practiced. Same with archery. Yep. Some guys can shoot arrows. 80 to 100 yards and hit their target. Yeah. Um, where I don't buy in is there's people that can't hit a stop sign at 20 yards or can't hit a pickup truck at 100 with a rifle. I mean, it's, you can't really set a boundary on it because some people miss 10 yard archery shots, you know, yep. and then they wound an animal. So don't sit there and tell me something's unethical. When there's people out there wounding animals within spitting distance, so it, it's it's not about the distance; it's about the staying calm, cool, and collected. Um, deciding not to take a shot if it's not good. We as hunters need to be a little more have a little more self control in that in that realm of not taking shots that we shouldn't. So, yep. No, I'm not, agree with you. I'm not sitting on a high horse. I've taken bad shots before, um, but that's when I was a kid and didn't know any better. If you're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, you damn well know better and shouldn't be taking skyline shots. You shouldn't be taking shots towards the road. You shouldn't be taking shots that cross public or private land. So all that freaking shit happens and it's it's just ridiculous freaking sending bullets over people's tents and campers and shit because they just 
can't freaking keep it in their pants. It's like, my God. Yep. You get any, and you owe it to the animal too, to not be, to not be wounded animals all the time. You, you, you know, they didn't ask for that and you owe it to them to practice, practice, practice. So when the time comes, it's a, it's a clean kill. Yeah. Another thing that kind of pisses me off is like, uh, People post in these archery elk hunting groups, you know, had a perfect shot on them, followed, followed some blood for a mile, and then nothing. They're like, hopefully I can get another opportunity. It's like, a mile? Yeah. A mile from my driveway to the mailbox is a half mile. What are you talking about, one mile? One mile's nothing in the terms of how far an elk can run. And yeah, I they guarantee get, they get, you, if you did made the perfect shot, it didn't run a mile. So, yeah, let's let's freaking do our do our part, people. Don't send that arrow or bullet if you're not committed to the end result. If that's two or three days of tracking, then it's two or three days of tracking. You can also resolve that issue by knowing your capabilities. If you can only shoot out to 200 yards, you can only shoot out to 200 yards. But you damn well better be able to shoot out to 200 yards. Don't just say you can shoot out to 200 yards because that's what someone told you, you know, a, a 308 can do or a 30 out 6 or a 7 mil or a, a 300 win mag. Everyone's like, ah, 300 yards is my max. No, that's just what people have told you, you know. Yep. And you've never shot past 100, so your max is 100. And that's only if you can make consistently good hits at 100. Yep. Go out there and practice. Get them rifles dialed in. Yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're buying one box of ammo and you're using that to sight in your gun, practice and hunt with a 20-round box of ammo, you're doing it wrong. I'm, just, I'm sorry. It just is what it is. You need to shoot more than that. If you're going to be hunting. Yeah. I mean, we, when we went to the range that day last year, we probably, you probably put 20 rounds just on paper and it wasn't even a hundred percent. So you had to shoot more, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you can't be a cheap ass when it comes to ammo. If you, if you want to be dialed in, you have to, you know, you, you were hitting, we dialed your scope in and we finally got it sighted in for 300 yards, you know? But that it took 25, 27 rounds, you know? Yeah, it took, I think I shot a whole box at, at 200. Yeah. Trying to, trying to go from, you know, one MOA to sub MOA. And mm-hmm. that's what it takes to be precise. You know, you can't put up an eight inch, you know, like B8 target and call it good if you've hit, if you've hit the eight inch circle anywhere, <laughs> you know, a handful yeah. of times. And people leave the range, and they're like, yep, got her all dialed in, and it, it looks like a shotgun pattern. Like, you just took a, a load of buckshot and shot the target at 10 yards or 15 yards. Like, dude, that is that is rough. You should not be shooting that gun. Yep. And a you lot can... of it is, a lot of it is men's ego. They take the yep. biggest gun out of the safe. They don't shoot it a lot because it hurts. They're, you know, they're using a a five pound 300 wind mag and that's going to rip your shoulder off. So you're going to find any excuse to not shoot that thing. So if you got to shoot a smaller caliber, 
I promise you, no one's going to make fun of you. And if they do, it's because you're on the internet. Just get off the internet. If you can't shoot a gun a couple hundred times at the range, then you need to drop down. Go to a go to a 308 or go to a a 65 PRC or go to something that isn't ripping your your shoulder off every time you fire it. I love the 300 Win Mag. It's a it's a great round. It's also like 50 years old. Um, yeah. It's like sending a space shuttle into space that was made at the same time <laughs> the freaking 300 <laughs> Win Mag came out. There's a reason we don't do it anymore. And again, it's a great round, but you need certain you need certain parameters to make that 300 Win Mag a great round. Out of most barrels, there's so much wasted energy because it's not a long enough barrel and you don't have enough burn time on it. And that's why there's a, a freaking cannonball blast out of the end of most 300 Win Mag because that's <laughs> all unburnt powder. It's all unused energy, but everyone's got to use them. 300 Win Mag. And man, I'll tell you, at that elk hunting spot, I've seen more people miss with a 300 Win Mag than anything when i shot my cow another crossfire situation down there his buddy was at the top of the hill he was like halfway up and they were shooting rounds past each other but he had a three and a wind mag and he missed at 40 yards 40 yards with a rifle he was so discombobulated he short stroked his bolt and jammed it and it's like you got into the perfect position like you cannot has all this time finding elk, which is so freaking difficult. Year after year, it's getting harder and harder to consistently find elk. When you find them, it can't be, you can't not kill the elk because your bow or your rifle or your skill wasn't up to par. And I'm not saying you got to be a SEAL Team 6 sniper, but man, you just need to know what your capabilities are. And if you can only shoot to 100, Next year, make your max. Be shooting at one MOA at 200. The year after that, be shooting two MOA at 300 yards. And and just trying to excel yourself. Don't just hit anywhere on the, on the plywood backer and call it good. You're just fooling yourself. You are absolutely fooling yourself. Yeah, don't put a milk, milk jug at 100 yards and... It blows up at 100 yards, and you don't even know where you hit. You're like, up, oh, hit the milk jug, good to go. Let's get out there. Yeah, and it was just your buddy shooting it because he felt bad for it and he wanted to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think a lot of that too comes down to um, some equipment choices too. I get it, guys. Money only goes so far, but there's some things you just don't cut your corners on. You don't cut corners on glass. You need a good nope. scope, and you don't cut corners. On the mount. Don't buy a $1,000 rifle, a $200 scope, and $20 scope rings. If you have $1,000, get yourself a $300 rifle, $500 scope, yep, and then like $100 scope rings or $150. You're going to do be way more efficient and deadly with that setup than you are a $1,000 rifle or an $800 rifle with a $100 scope and $50 scope rings that don't stay tight. And when you do tighten them, they're not concentric. And that's why you can never sight the thing in because it's made of pot metal. And when you put 25 pounds of torque, like the manual says to do, 
it's not it's never going to be right because it's just pop metal so you can have a low-end rifle mid-grade scope and have high-end scope mounts start there i mean you'll be miles ahead of the competition and if you want to take it a step further you can take a 300 hundred dollar rifle and make it excellent by just doing a homemade bedding job you can look it up on youtube there's like 150 videos on how to do it some epoxy and some patience and you can bed that rifle and when you bed a rifle you're basically taking where that stock mounts to the action and you're firming that up especially a lot of the 300 dollars rifles are coming with what a lot of people call like tupperware stocks the stock isn't the issue it's you just need to firm up where the action is yep. mounting into that stock. And then once you have less movement there, that's when you can really, yep. really get it dialed in. I mean, my my 308, I kind of, I've built it out as a high-end gun now. But when I bought it, it was just like a $400, $400 308. And I put a lot of money into it now. And it shoots really tight groups, sub MOA. But I was shooting just MOA with, you know, a $2 betting job. That's the end of my rant. Thank you all for listening to me go off on my tangents. <laughs> uh, I think we lost Cole. Um, had some baby issues. So he uh, is a, a new father again. Uh, so congratulations, Cole, on the new baby. That's freaking awesome. Um, came quite a bit early. So Cole is back in the game for the rut this year for deer. So congratulations, Cole, on... Uh, that new baby boy. That's awesome. Um, everybody else, please check us out on Instagram at jumping the string. Same with YouTube at jumping the string. Um, we got a big day tomorrow. Opening rifle should be interesting. Hopefully we can make something happen this season. And I hope that all of you are successful in your rifle and muzzle loader shotgun hunts. Take some extra time, do some e-scouting, if a if a spot's not panning out for you, and it's it's not worked out the past couple of years, um, you know, don't be afraid to move on. Don't be afraid to try new places. Um, that's what my group had to do this year. Historically, mule deer all over the place opening day. Um, last two years, not so much. So we've had this great spot. We basically come in and run the place. Um, just hasn't worked out last two years. So it's a tough move, but, um, the only thing worse than two years of opening day tag soup is three years. So don't be afraid to pick up and move. Try something new. Um, especially if a great spot is not what it once was. So I hope everyone has a great successful season this year. Be prepared. Let's have a great fall hunting season and we'll catch you on the next one later. <laughs>